Kia ora, Craig Murray here for the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast and we are pumped and super happy to have Janine Granger who is the co-founder of Easy Crypto and Easy Crypto was the fastest, easiest and safest way to buy and sell cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tron and many, many more. So without further ado, I would love to introduce Janine to the podcast. Kia ora. Kia ora, Craig. How's it going? I'm going very well, thank you. Thank you very, very much for your time. I'm personally super pumped on this one because I've, I've started doing some research about cryptocurrency. Obviously, I've, I've, I've read about um, Easy Crypto. So I'm always based in Aotearoa, or what I am when I'm doing the podcast anyway, and whereabouts are you in the world? I am in sunny Auckland, New Zealand. Auckland, New Zealand. Very A Jaffa, well. I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll be happy with the, the traffic light system. So we're in November. 2021 here in New Zealand and some of the country is in um, alert level lockdown due to COVID and we're just moving into a traffic light system which means that some destinations are going to be opened up to do uh, new and different things that they've been locked down so Auckland's been in lockdown since 17th of August I believe yeah yeah long 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 time I would like to start like I do for more the podcast just to, to for our audience to get to know you a little bit and I always like to ask, what was your first ever job? Like I'm talking like school job when you, um, your first event, not your career job. And then if you can answer that and then go and just do a little bit of a, a Janine origin story where you talk about where you started your career and how you got to where you are now. And then we'll dig into a little bit more about Easy Crypto and what's that all about as well. Nice. Well, I'm not 100% sure if this is first, first ever, because I had a lot of random jobs when I was at high school. But one of them that I did for a while was putting the studs on dog collars. So I worked in a factory with a stud making machine. So that was that was good fun. Um, not too skilled, but um, enjoyable. Um, but yeah, in terms of uh, the Janine origin story, I, I have a very varied career. I've done all sorts of different things from studying dog collars to um, <laughs> I've helped bring Cricket World Cup to New Zealand. I went oh, to wow, yeah. did consulting with PwC for a while, worked in New Zealand, worked with local government. I actually dropped out of high school at um, age 15 because I just didn't really like school. Um, and then I sort of found myself meandering through all sorts of different jobs, um, eventually went to uni, but I kind of just followed what I was interested in. And it's been really interesting coming into this role of being CEO of this global crypto businesses that I've got all these little threads of things I've learned and stuff I've picked up along the way that's actually been really helpful to the job I have now and sort of this random career path almost kind of makes sense in hindsight now. I'm going to talk a lot about how you got into the crypto sort of side and easy crypto and development and coding and all that sort of stuff as well. And so I thought it'd be really important to talk about um, having a, a co-founder as well of easy crypto. Yeah. But before we get jump into that, I'd like to let us know what your favorite all-time brand is and why that brand is your favorite. This was actually a really tough one for me because I am not a big brand affiliated person. Like my partner's like Apple through and through and through. And you know, a lot of people are, but I'm kind of like, I have a loose affiliation with brands, but probably my favorite, I think would be Whitaker's. Cause I mean, not only is chocolate amazing, but it's like, they're doing good stuff. They care about the environment, their supply chains, um, the, you know, what their products are made from and chocolate. So yeah, Whitaker's. You're the second person in a row who's had Whitaker's as their, their favorite brand. And I agree with you. I think Whitaker's is delicious chocolate. And it is very hard to not eat a whole block while watching Netflix. <laughs> so you are a co-founder of Easy Crypto. So can you explain to our audience who may know, not even know what cryptocurrency is or what Easy Crypto is, 
and this give them a bit of a 101 about Easy Crypto? Sure. So Easy Crypto, um, we started here in New Zealand about four years ago, wanting to give Kiwis an easy and safe way to get involved with cryptocurrencies. So most people have heard of Bitcoin and might have awareness that it's not just Bitcoin, but there's a whole range of different cryptocurrencies out there. Um, so cryptocurrencies are just digital assets or digital ways to transfer value. They have a whole lot of use cases. There's a whole lot of reasons people might want to get involved. And what we do at Easy Crypto is we just make it simple to get your New Zealand dollars and turn that into the cryptocurrency of choice. Or buy back the other way. If you have a lot of crypto and you want to sell it back to New Zealand dollars, we help with that as well. So let's say I've got some money um, still in the bank and I'm like, this is not what I want to do with my money. Interested in learning more about cryptocurrency and investing in that. Would I just come to someone from you, you or someone in the team there and you'd suggest what to do? Yeah, so if you come to us, you can buy and sell sort of from a whole range of different cryptocurrencies. We have about 150 that we sell. And obviously, that's a lot to get your head around in terms of like, what should I buy? What's best? What's best for me is probably the most important question. Uh, so on that view, like we have a whole lot of educational resources. It's really important to us that we help people understand the space, invest wisely, invest safely. So we don't give personalized advice. Like you can't come to us and say like, hey, Janine, which cryptocurrency should I invest in? But you can come to our website and you can learn and sort of do your own research on the different types of cryptos that we sell and what the pros and cons are and what might be right for you. I looked on your website earlier on and um, we had a quick discussion before we live now. Your website says you had 50, 50 staff. Now you've got about 80 or more all over the world as well, not yeah. just in New Zealand. So what have, what have been some of the biggest challenges to sort of create a massive team and having that team global as well? It's, it's a really interesting one because it's sort of opportunities and challenges. And I guess part of the background here is that my, my co-founder, who's my brother, he was living or he was actually backpacking around Southeast Asia when we started Easy Crypto. So uh, we started our company remote first with, you know, the two co-founders living in different countries. And we just constantly built up a remote business. We, you know, my brother met um, this fantastic digital marketing guy at a co-working space in Bali. So he became the head of our marketing team. Then we met some people in Kuala Lumpur who became our dev team. And it was really fantastic that we could hire people from anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter where you live. We're not constrained to, hey, you have to be able to commute to an office. Anyone, anywhere can come and join the team. But it does also have its challenges. And for me, as the CEO of a really fast-growing business, it's something I'm incredibly mindful of, that I've got kind of these, you know, culture is the most important thing, having a, a fantastic culture, being a place that people love coming to work, that it feels not like work, but it's actually something that it just, you know, it, it makes people's lives better working for Easy Crypto is something that I'm really passionate about. And so to, to look at that, I've got, okay, I've got three really big headwinds as a CEO to try to make my company culture or keep my company culture amazing. And that's firstly the speed at which we're growing. So yeah, as you pointed out, we've gone from like 50 to 80 staff and I'm not even sure, I think probably in two or three months. I know we had 20 wow. staff join last month alone or, you know, in the last four weeks alone. Um, we've also got people from all over the world. So that means different cultures, different time zones. And, you know, there's challenges in, in that and sort of making sure we understand each other and we understand those different nuances. And then thirdly, the thing about being fully remote, where we don't have those sort of like, you know, dropping into the water cooler conversations or meeting in the lift. So we have to find, you know, make sure we're really intentional about building relationships and building the culture within our organization that being remote isn't necessarily a challenge, but instead we can turn that into a benefit. There must be some sort of software that you use to track workflow and things like that. Is, is there anything that you'd be happy for, to talk about that you use? Yeah, this is something that we've been kind of moving 
we're on to, I think, our third tool for this now. We've just moved on to Jira. Previously, we were on um, ClickUp, which, you know, yeah. looked fantastic, but it was trying to do too many things at once, I think. We did investigate Monday.com as well, and we were using um, GitLab before that. So we've, we've been through a few iterations. I think Jira is pretty commonly used, particularly in sort of development-heavy organizations, and it's got, you know, interaction integrations with things like Trello and um, Confluence that are quite helpful. I don't think it's the perfect tool, but nothing ever will be. But it's more about, you know, figuring out what's most important for us and then sort of deciding what what do we need to force into one tool and where can we have people using separate tools and be a bit more fluid in the approach we take. You mentioned that your co-founder was your brother. I like to try and picture like, how did this come about? I go, hey, <laughs> Hey, bro, should we set up an easy crypto? Um, and, you know, how, how did that start? <laughs> uh, this is a good story, actually, Craig. So this one, I, I can't take any of the credit for starting easy crypto. That was solely Alan. But it went like this. So Alan had sort of, you know, late 2017, cryptocurrency was getting quite popular. People wanted to get involved. He had all these friends and family coming to him saying, hey, can you buy me this crypto? Can you buy me that crypto? And he was mm. like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like if I'm having to do something more than once, I want to automate it. That's kind of Alan's mantra. So um, he sat down and I can give you the actual dates on this because I, I did a podcast yeah. recently. I went and looked these dates up and I can confirm completely accurately that <laughs> on the 5th of December, Alan did his first commit of codes, wrote his very first line of code, hello world or whatever. And he pushed this product live to the internet on the 9th of December. So four days and in that time, he taught himself how to code because he had never coded before in his life. So I'm not understating when I say that I have a genius as a co-founder. It's quite amazing. <laughs> but where I amazing. came into this process is so Alan had this idea, jumped straight into it, you know, head first into this idea, taught himself how to code, built this website, put it live on the internet. Strangers were giving him money. And then he called me up and he's like, hey, Janine, I've done this thing. Is there any reason why that's maybe not legal? And I was like, oh, dear God take this thing <laughs> offline straight away. <laughs> and so that's where I brought in, you know, like I talked before about all these little threads of things I'd learned over my career. I sort of understood, you know, company structure, governance, legal and compliance requirements, finance, regulatory, like this whole remit of random things, even AML, I picked up some of that from, you know, having worked in banking. And so it's like, I knew all of these different bits and pieces that I could bring together to wrap around what Alan had built to turn it from a a legally dodgy idea into a proper business. Legally dodgy idea into that's a good thing to have on your CV. So yeah, this is one of my traits and, and skills. Um, could you explain to our audience what cryptocurrency actually is? The, the easiest way to think about it is that it's a digital way to transfer value. And I'll just unpack that for you quickly in terms of, you know, Back in the day, if you wanted to give money or exchange value with someone, it was face-to-face, -face, right? So it's like, I have an apple, you have a goat, we'll swap those things face-to-face. -face. And you know that that transaction's happened because you're there. So that value exchange, it's good, it's golden. Unless I come back and steal the apple or the goat later, you know you know that it's happened. Then we moved into a world that's more you know, remote and it's like, I might want to send money to someone overseas or in a different part of New Zealand. And that can't happen um, you know, face-to-face. -face. So instead we use intermediaries, things like banks or credit card companies or lawyers even help with you know transferring value so it's like basically for there to be trust in a system of value exchange you either have to be face to face or you have to use an intermediary and what cryptocurrencies did was completely turn that all on its head by having the system that was trustless so i can send you money or send you value from anywhere in the world and then doesn't need to be any intermediary sort of validating that transaction the system the blockchain which is what underpins cryptocurrency does that validation and handles that issue of trust 
And so if you remove all the intermediaries, I mean, I think most people can probably appreciate that if you take banks out of the equation, things might get a lot faster, they might get a lot cheaper, they might get a lot simpler. Um, you know, maybe we could even do, you know, transfer value 24 seven instead of nine to five, Monday to Friday, all of these amazing things that turning value transfer into something that's digital and that's peer to peer, it's, um, it's really quite revolutionary. You mentioned the blockchain, could you describe in in easy terms what the blockchain is yeah i mean blockchain it actually is a chain of blocks right um it's digital so it's not physical blocks but you can th i think of it like a blockchain because that's sort of how it works and each block is just a ledger so most people will probably be familiar with the idea of a ledger it's kind of like an excel spreadsheet it's a you know a list of um you know list of rows and each row will be like hey so and so paid such and such person money and so it's basically just like a database entries of who's sending money to whom and then those things all roll up into blocks and then the way blockchain works is that every transaction gets validated and it gets confirmed and it means that you cannot have any fraud on the blockchain or once someone has made a transaction so if i say craig i've sent you half a bitcoin and you see that on the blockchain, you know without a shadow of doubt. I know. I mean, you're welcome, man. I'm a generous Thanks. person. <laughs> um, you know without a shadow of a doubt that that transaction is valid and it's gone through. And I'm not going to be able to reverse it. I can't have you know made that fraudulent. So again, it's like that thing of you didn't need the intermediaries like the banks to validate that for you. The system does it itself, and the system is the blockchain, and the blockchain is non-corruptible. I don't know if that was the simplest explanation. <laughs> yeah, um, we might put some links to what the blockchain is. Show notes, just that the, um, I'm sure on YouTube, there's some really cool animations about the blockchain. Yeah. What would be a good tactic for someone who's has very low awareness and trust, I suppose, in, in cryptocurrency and to do some research? Where would, where would a good place be to start? So it probably depends on what your preferred method is, right? Like you've, there's heaps of good podcasts, YouTube's um, articles as well. Like we're actually building a, a, a library at Easy Crypto of all of the favorite um, different methods that our customers like to get information. So come to Easy Crypto and have a look on our learn slate. But definitely wherever you go, just keep an eye on who you're getting information from because like many things on the internet right there's a lot of um bad actors out there there's a lot of misinformation so try to stick with reputable sources and again we can steer you in the direction of that um but there's also a lot of good um sort of commentators in the new zealand market um darcy Ungaro talks quite a bit about cryptocurrency if you like if you're into podcasts um we've got uh crypto lark if you're into youtube he's in he's from new zealand you've got easy crypto's learn site if you like reading articles We've also got a community page and there's actually quite a lot of cryptocurrency Facebook groups or Discord groups, other community groups. And they're a really good place to join. Like just don't ever accept any one-on-one -on -one messages from anyone that'll be a scam. But in the group itself, in the public areas, it's a really good place to ask questions, to engage with people, to, you know, people are really helpful. And um, yeah, particularly, you know, in the Easy Crypto community group as well, we, we moderate it and we make sure that everyone's nice. But in all the community groups that I've been in, people are really good sorts and it's a good place to go to get information. What are some of the risks that people should be hyper aware of when it comes to looking at purchasing cryptocurrencies? So I'd probably put the risks into two key buckets. One is the risks around um crypto assets themselves, and then one is your personal risk about how you engage with them. So with crypto assets, they're volatile, right? So they go up and down, you know, Bitcoin goes up or down 10% in a day and no one bats an eyelid because it's just normal. So there's a really big volatility risk and definitely be careful 
don't don't put in more than you're willing to lose, or at least that you're not going to be freaked out if you see it drop ten percent in a day, because that's kind of the nature of the assets. So you know, don't don't overinvest is a big one there. In terms of the personal risks, this I think is the biggest. Um, this is the most important stuff, and, and a message that I think is really important to get out there around. With cryptocurrencies, you are sort of technically your own bank, like you're in charge of your own money. And that's really fantastic from a um, personal autonomy point of view. You've got, you know, your money is completely controlled by you. No one else can have access to it or take it. But it does also put a lot of that security onus on you. So you need to make sure that you're using safe wallets, that you have backed up your um, devices or your wallets so that, say, if you drop your phone in the toilet or if someone steals your computer, you need to be able to still access your cryptocurrency. And the last piece on that, um, you know, and in terms of using safe wallets, backups, that sort of thing, again, you know, feel free to hit us up. We're always really happy to help make sure Kiwis are staying safe. And the other thing that's really, really important is to be really vigilant about scams and frauds. So these are incredibly increasing in number at the moment. We see people get caught out every day with different scams. You know, people are approaching you on social media, on LinkedIn or WhatsApp or Facebook or investment opportunities. You click on a link in an online article and it tells you about this great investment opportunity. Anything like this, if it seems a little bit too good to be true um, or if you're just, you know, just be hyper vigilant. And again, feel free to reach out to us because we just want, don't want to see any Kiwi lose their hard earned money to scams. And there is a lot of scams out there. So keep your wits about you. Nice. So, so what I'm hearing is that if, let's say if I, I'm just looking outside, see um, a cryptocurrency called Fence Post, and I, <laughs> and I think I think behind it, go, wow, it looks pretty good, looks legit. Would you be comfortable or, or someone from the team go, hey, look, what do you think about this? Is this legit or is this a scam? And then when you just go back, go, I would be cautious about investing into that one. Um, yeah, ab it? absolutely. We've got a bit of, um, we've got some sort of articles on our website around the things we look for when we look at scams, mm. but we're always happy for people to reach out to us because it's like, this is an area that we're in day in and then day out, right? So we're, yeah. you know, we're used to the space. We know what to look for. We're pretty familiar with the the hallmarks of a scam or the things that raise, I guess, a bit of red flags and question marks. Whereas people brand new to the space, it's, it can be really overwhelming. There's so much talk and so many acronyms and like the language mm. is like, it's like an alien language, right? So yeah, if it definitely feel free to reach out because we do know the stuff. It's our bread and butter. And we we really just like I say, just want to make sure people stay safe. That's our our key aim. So with the currency themselves, like let's say my fence post one mm. is a currency. How much is it going for? I might be keen to invest. <laughs> At the moment, very low, zero, 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 zero point five. But what's behind it? Like, why is this currency all of a sudden worth have a value is there is it like a could you compare it to a business like a car business where there's actually all this thing these things that they're doing in the background that's making this this coin or this cryptocurrency valuable the the analogy to a business is a really good one because this is something that i get asked quite a bit by people of you know one of the amazing things about cryptocurrency is it's all open source and so anyone can create a new cryptocurrency we could go out and create fence post after this podcast if you want i you know assuming no one's made that use that name already but um it, it's really powerful that anyone can innovate and can create a new thing but a question that i get asked a lot off the back of that is well then how do any of these things have value if anyone can create one tomorrow and the analogy to a company is a really really good one because you know, similarly to that, I could go to the company's office tomorrow and register a brand new company. I'll call it Fence Post Collaborations Limited. Um, 
just because I've created this new company doesn't mean that, say, Apple and Tesla have any less value as companies just because there's now another company in the market. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite work that way that this massive proliferation of cryptocurrencies reduces the value of the ones at the top or any other crypto. But similarly to a company, how you'd want to look at it is that underlying who is behind this company? What is the problem they're solving? What is the market that they're, you know, what is the product they're creating and the market they're going into? You know, to the car analogy, do they have actual assets behind them? What is the technology they're using? Like, and asking those questions and digging into a bit more to understand why would this particular cryptocurrency have some value just in the same way that you might ask, why would shares in this particular company have value? Would it be worthwhile for someone who's interested in purchasing some cryptocurrency or just to get it, getting into it, to understand what is driving the currency and potentially could align to their values as well. Absolutely. And similar to companies, right? Like if you're a, you know, I would hope many of us care about the types of, you know, if we have investments, like say if you're using shares and you invest in different companies that you'd mm. be thinking about, what companies am I choosing to invest in and why? Do they align with my purpose and my values? And I think, you know, our generation is, you know, quite purpose driven. And I think a lot of people make those decisions when they choose um, shares to invest in. And similarly with cryptocurrencies, it, you know, you, you can invest without doing any homework. And if you just buy, you know, if you're dabbling in the top 10, you're probably going to be safe. Um, but it might still be relevant and I'd hope a lot of people would think about what does this currency look like? What is it doing for you know society, for the environment? Um, as an example, we hear a lot about the negative environmental impact of cryptocurrency. And that's pretty much all about Bitcoin. Bitcoin was the very first generation of cryptocurrencies. And like with you know using cell phones as an example, your first generation of mobile phone looks a lot different from the ones you use now, right? So Bitcoin's a bit old, bit slow, bit clunky, and it's not it doesn't have, um, you know, as it has a reasonably high environmental impact, but other cryptocurrencies don't. So if you looked at, say, Cardano or Solano, there are other cryptocurrencies that have very, very low environmental impact. And that might be something that influences your decision of what cryptocurrencies you want to um, get involved with. What sort just of a level? quick plug for... Sorry, just a quick plug for Bitcoin, though, before I leave it on that bad note of Bitcoin's bad for the environment. Bitcoin does have... Um, you know, because it's hugely transparent and people can see how much energy is being used, it's a really good motivator for the industry to become greener. And we absolutely see that. I think around 50% of the energy used in Bitcoin's mining or in Bitcoin's network is renewable, which is an amazing stat. Like that's, you know, way better than most countries would be able to do. So it's not all bad news, um, but there are, you know, definitely some issues around the environmental impact of certain currencies. What um, level of investment can you come into it starting thousands or hundreds or tens or? No, so uh, Bitcoin is divisible into sort of like a million parts, right? So you could buy a one millionth of a Bitcoin, which would be probably mm. only a dollar or two, um, or maybe even a few cents, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, it depends where you buy. So if you have a friend that has some crypto and they're happy to sell you a dollar, awesome. If you're coming to Easy Crypto, we have sort of around a $50 to $100 minimum on most coins, and that's just kind of a functional issue that a lot of coins have delivery costs that make it uneconomical to do less. But you definitely can start from small amounts. It's not a thousands of dollars sort of commitment. It's a tens or hundreds of dollars. So I want to um, shift the conversation away from crypto a little bit and talk more about starting a business in New Zealand and being entrepreneurs like yourself and your brother. Was it harder to have a develop this easy crypto in New Zealand than it would potentially be if you're in somewhere like San Francisco or somewhere else in the world? 
It's an interesting question. I'm I'm not too sure on that one in terms of the ease of setting up in other countries. What I can say though is that it was definitely a lot harder starting a crypto business than for any other type of business. So <laughs> there are all these kind of like really basic 101 business things that you would assume that you would have as a business, but a block to us. So for example, really, really difficult to get a bank account in New Zealand for a crypto business, pretty much near impossible. Um, also digital advertising, cryptocurrency companies, when we started in, in most countries still are blocked from advertising on Google, Facebook, YouTube. So it's like, okay, how do we market our digital product to our digital audience if we can't access digital channels? And then other things like insurance, like I'm still unable to find insurance companies that will insure us because of the industry that we're in. So it's a really interesting, um, challenges specific to cryptocurrency that I didn't necessarily expect when I started. Do you think that is because there's a lack of awareness of it in in corporates and banks specifically maybe see it as a risk? For the, yeah, um, absolutely. For, the, for, for them being disrupted, I mean, not cryptocurrency being the risk. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've previously worked in banking and I, from what I saw, which obviously is only one experience in one bank in one country, I didn't see it as being a competitive threat barrier. I saw it more as a, okay, there's some risk associated with this, like the risk might be um, anti-money laundering risk, the regulators might be unhappy, the media might be unhappy, our customers might be unhappy. So there's all these risks for banks, which would encourage them to say no. And the rationale to encourage them to say yes is just purely the profit they can make off us and as a little tiny startup a bank's not going to make any money off me so I've got like this big like list of things in the risk column and really not much in the benefit mm. column and I think that probably is what drives the decision making there plus a lack of knowledge of the industry and an understanding of it because I think if they did understand it better they would realize the risks are not at all um what what they think so yourself and your brother must have had rapid growth you've had you're over 80 staff now in the last month you've had to hire 20 that that that's that, to me that's that's amazing and and a credit to you both how how do you do that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um yeah i don't know it's like it's a really interesting one like i i thought about this time last year i actually was looking at selling the business and the reason i was looking at selling the business is that i could see that we'd had this really big growth. So we've grown about 5x every year since we started. I think 7x in our first year, then 5x from then on. And I sort of looked and I was like, okay, we've built this thing. It's got real potential. It, it, it is going global. It's an amazing business, great product market fit. And my thinking was clearly I need to find someone else to take this on because I don't have, I don't know how to be the CEO of a global business. So it's like, it's a time for me to exit and to find someone who can truly realize the potential of this thing. Um, and through the process of trying to sell the business, I really, I guess, just Built a lot of confidence in my own ability to run it as well as realized how passionate I am about the vision and about what we've got and our customers and our staff and the potential of, of this thing that we've built. So that was a really interesting learning journey for me. But it's also I'm well aware that I, you know, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing and I don't know how many CEOs sort of sit there and think that I would hope that in startup world, this is not uncommon, but um, it is a bit of a yeah, it's, it's a big challenge. And I'm constantly every day just sort of trying to um, be really intentional about what I'm doing so that I'm looking forward and thinking, what does my business need? Where are we going? How can I be the right person and give the right sort of guidance and resources and sort of support to my team to get us where we're trying to go? But yeah, I don't know if I have the answer for that one. I think there's a lot of things I don't have the answer for. Sorry. I feel that most people are winging it. And then yeah. just some people are better pilots than others. And obviously yourself and your brother are doing a really amazing job. So congratulations on that. 
what do you, what have been the, the biggest challenges for you and your brother? I think, I mean, in our first year or two of business, it was just challenge after challenge after challenge. Like there were so many setbacks. Things like not being able to get bank accounts was, you know, that was just part of it, right? Um, and there was just so, it was so complex. It was so hard. We were really, one of our values as a company is, is make the path. There's always a way. And that was so true in our first sort of year or two. It was just like we constantly had setbacks to try to find new ways around, new avenues. And I think... You know, the, we've talked quite a bit about my brother and having a co-founder, and that's one of the things that has really stuck out to me about this journey is that I could not have done this without a co-founder. Like, there were so many times where I was like, I've had enough of this. The challenges are too big. It's always, you know, it's just fire after fire or challenge after challenge. And it was really loyalty to him that kept me going and vice versa. When I, when I, he was, well, yeah, when he was really facing up against the wall and bashing his head, he was like, okay, I've got to keep doing this because it's, you know, I owe it to Janine. So um, I know I'm segueing a little bit from the answer to the question, but um, no, the, the co-founder thing is really important. That's something I've really encouraged people who are new in the space to look really seriously at. It's, I think it's, for me at least, it would have been too hard to do it on my own. Um, but the challenges are just immense. And a lot of it is, you know, making bad decisions and then realizing you know, having to work up the consequences of those. So, you know, getting into bad, making bad strategic choices and then having to follow those through or um, contracting with suppliers who aren't what you thought they would be, hiring staff that don't work out. Like there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of challenging things that were of our own making as well as the things that were happening around us that um, we didn't have control over. Having a global team must be tricky to try and understand each country's human resource or all the legislation to, for hiring and firing and, mm. and that sort of thing as well. Do you manage all that yourself or have you have you got an HR person or do you outsource some things? Because I can imagine you've got 80 staff now. Yeah. It's a big company. A little a little bit of everything. So we, we do have an HR team now. So um, that was one of our, my first C-suite hires earlier this year was to get a chief people officer who is amazing. And so she she manages our, we manage our staff and most of our hubs ourselves. We have a big hub in New Zealand. A lot of people here with those are employees with us. Same in a couple of other countries. We have sort of hubs where we employ people directly. And then we have people that don't sit in a hub. They sort of might just be one or two people in a country. And for those, we will we're trying to sort of we run a few different models as to whether they're contractors or you know where possible we will try to employ them through using like um can't remember what the acronym is but companies that do this are like remote and deal they sort of help you have a global global ability to hire and they manage the tax and the legal and the employment mm. law side of things which is great for a company like mine that wants to be able to take talent from anywhere in the world we don't have to be restricted to ah uh, sorry we don't you know we can't employ you in xyz country because if there's a will there's a way I'm really conscious of your time now that I talk to you that I, you're super busy and I'm I'm humbled that you're even um, spending some time um, with us here and it's really cool. Uh, so, it's lovely to be on. This is, I'll ask three more things. One of them is values. So you mentioned about um, developing values for your organization mm. and you've had ridiculously rapid growth recently. So when or has is there have you developed a set of values where you bring on a team member and their values are part of the process? Yeah, so values are really, really important to us. Like we had these from day one. Um, my background's in strategy, and this is possibly part of why I sort of have this, um, you know, focus on being really intentional. So Ellen and I have had annual strategy planning processes and quarterly strategy sessions from day one, pretty much. Like two weeks after the business started, we sat down with our first, you know, strategy plan, made our big, hairy, audacious goals, which 
we are on track to meet. So we are sort of three and a half years into our five-year goals and we're completely smashing it, which is, I think, a huge testament to the power of setting goals and measuring and tracking towards them. Like, there is no way I ever believed that we would meet those goals when we set them and, and yet here we are. Um, but as part of that, we also set our values and there's some there's things that we really, really live by. Like, we do um, sort of iterate and, and tweak them from time to time. We did our most recent value session at the beginning of this year with our team. Um, and our values are like an everyday part of our business. Like we, we use Slack as a company. We have, you know, we're constantly calling each other on, out on Slack for when people are living the values. It's part of our induction process. It's part of our, you know, our performance review conversations. It's part of our global meetings. It's, and we get a lot of feedback from staff that, you know, this is the first company a lot of people have worked for where the values are actually genuinely lived in the business. They're not just posters up on the wall. And I think a big part of that is the values are very, um, they're very unique to us. Like I talked before about one of our values being make the path and, you know, in other companies you might say delivery or execution and, you know, or a value could be like teamwork, but our one has got your back. Cause when we got together as a team and we talked about what's important, it was this feeling of, I know that other people have got my back and if something goes wrong or if I'm having a bad day or if I need help, someone's got my back. And so that's our value. It's not teamwork. It's got your back. And we talk about that on a daily basis. And yeah, genuinely it comes through. So I can't speak enough about how important values are and to our culture and sort of what makes us us as a company. Last question. If you were to provide someone from our audience some advice about and they've got an idea and it's a big idea like your idea, but they're hesitant to start or they're worried about whether it might be the media or their family or their partner or, or their kids or their livelihood being impacted negatively, what would you suggest to them to do? Maybe a couple of things. Firstly, you know, we talked about the co-founder before, and I think having someone like maybe they're not a co-founder, but just someone who's on your team, like someone that you can bounce ideas off that will support you, can give you a you know, a, a pep talk when you're having a bad day. I think that's really important to have a cheerleader, someone who, yeah, will be there for you when, when things are going tough. But also, and this might be slightly controversial advice, and this is just based from my experience, but I know a lot of co-founders and entrepreneurs would possibly say the opposite. But I wonder about starting small and like, instead of like, you know, packing in your job and throwing everything up and going all in on this, like, can you test it? Like, can you test and get those little proof points that, hey, I'm on the right track? Because that's what we did with Easy Crypto and this, like, we didn't intend to build this company that would be this giant, you know, Kiwi business <laughs> going global. We just intended to solve a problem. And then we got this, you know, proof points from the market. Like in about eight months after we launched, we were New Zealand's biggest provider. It was like, okay, there's a proof point that we've done something that people want. And then we sort of took it into another country, went into Australia, launched there and we're like, okay, here's a proof point. Okay. Those are probably pretty big proof points, but you know, for someone signing out, dial it right back, like make a thing, see if people like it try to sell it at a, you know, if it's a physical thing, go to a farmer's market. If it's a digital thing, just throw up a website. Like it takes you, you know, a couple of hours or a couple of days to build a website. You can do low, um, low commitment sounds bad, but then you can do things that don't take, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent of your energy or time or your effort to try a thing, test it and see if you can get those proof points back that you're on the right track. That's some great advice. So start small. It's not a mm -hmm. sprint to marathon. The problem you're trying to solve is actually the, uh, um, a market in that app and we've spoken mm -hmm. about it in a lot of our podcasts already whereas if, if you see a gap in the market you've got to make sure that there's a market in the gap because nobody <laughs> likes a, a lukewarm coffee but they like a hot coffee and they're like iced coffee but no one wants to buy a lukewarm coffee so you've got to make sure that, there's, that is there's so a true so um janine this is awesome i thank you thank you so much i really do appreciate your time 
if you've got any last words, you can um, drop it now. Otherwise, we can say hi to that. And you, um, I'm sure you've got a lot of things to do. No, I just really appreciate you having me on. Um, I think it's great what you're doing. It's great to get more resources and education and support out there. I think um, New Zealand has such a great entrepreneurial spirit. And I just, yeah, kia kaha to everyone who is um, entrepreneurial or wants to be entrepreneurial out there. Give it a whirl. I think you'll probably love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Janine. Have a great day. Inohora. See you later. <laughs>